jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of darkness! Hello, <laughs> everyone. What are you saying? <laughs> I put a hex on you. Oh no, it's a hex! <laughs> Listen, I have to practice. And what better place to practice is where, first of all, no one cares. No one knows what I'm saying. And so therefore they don't know if I mess up. And a horror podcast. And a horror podcast. <laughs> I'll is... have you know, I said, hello, everyone. It's me, Stacy. We're the Gaylords of Darkness. Today, we're going to talk about two horror movies. One horror movie I really liked. The other movie? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all relevant. And I got to practice. So thank you, okay? I saw on your Insta story... You had the big picture of the big Korean letters, characters that you were writing out in your workbook. That's right. And I said, she's back at it with those classes. But it's hard because I don't, like, when can I really practice? So I walk around my apartment speaking Korean to myself all day. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, you have to, Anthony. <laughs> so they're like, the other day she was taking a, she was naked taking a spider outside. <laughs> Now she's so much today, in Korean. She over and over. She just said, "Sagwa Mashayo, Sagwa Mashayo." That's our neighbor. Where? What? What level are you? Like, it, <laughs> what? What? How advanced are you? Oh, I'm not advanced at all. So not advanced. So you're you're like, uh, if you were a child, what grade would you be? I don't know how to gauge where people are with languages. I don't know. I mean, I'm learning my tenses. There's just so much that's so different, and some concepts are really difficult to wrap my head around. Yeah. Well, different worldview. So it's tough. So I just, like, but I get better through practice. And so, like, I wish that I was, like, a Korean first grader. Or I don't even have to be Korean. I could just be in a Korean first grade class because, like, I just want the worksheets. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to take the tests. I want to do this. And that kind of study material is really difficult to find. Just imagine the Strangers with Candy reboot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's me entering a Korean first grade class. And I'm just like, I just want to learn. <laughs> I just want to learn and it seems like the best way the kids are just staring at you absolutely i don't fit in the desk <laughs> it's so <laughs> just like in the middle of the classroom <laughs> just standing there like a friday the 13th t-shirt but you you have your workbook and your smile you have your big smile because you're so excited biggest to smile <laughs> 
I'm gonna say, oh, just staring at you. Yeah. You need immersion. I definitely need immersion. Like a blender. You just go and you um, you are lost in a sea of the Korean language. Right. Maybe we have listeners in Korea that are willing to put you up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. The Gaylord's Language Exchange Program. Oh, there you go. Exchange. I could be an exchange student. You could be an exchange student. If you are willing, listener, to, <laughs> to become your own personal Rotary Club <laughs> and take on a, a, a starry-eyed foster. Fossil Foster. Fossil Foster. Have we got one for you? I'm sure there's something I could teach them about, right? Eggs! Columbo! <laughs> yeah, not nothing useful like food. <laughs> <laughs> well. We'll leave out eggs, but Columbo, yes. Yeah. You have the DVD box set. I would bring it with me. Maybe it's not available over there. Maybe Peter Falk didn't have as big of a following over there. I would teach them how to say, excuse me, just one more thing. And then they could do their own Columbo impressions. And be, you know, the hit of the party, I'm sure. The woman who brought Columbo to South Korea. (laughs) That's right. Listen, this is how we achieve world peace, okay? It's true. So... Anyway, thank you for indulging me for a moment. Well, thank you for hexing me with your uh, your new educational um, endeavor. Stuff. Stuff. Oh, endeavor, yeah. Stuff thank is you. better. Whatever, better word. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brother. And as you noted in your Korean prologue. Prologue? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. As you... As you stated, we are focusing on two films. One's a film. Listen. Okay. Everybody, sit back. Sit sit back. Strap in. Sit down. Yeah. Do all of that. The witching hour. Time for one more story. This is when I get to live out my John Houseman fantasies. (laughs) Why do I have all these fantasies about being an old man? I, we should work on that. We should, yeah, <laughs> should schedule a Zoom therapy session and say, why do I identify with cranky old men? Anyway, what is gender? Am I right? See? Judith <laughs> Uh, okay, how did this happen? I have wanted to do an episode on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre forever. Yeah, since the beginning of the series. Yeah, since the show. Show. That's what this is. Uh, whatever. Who cares? What is what is a series? What is a show? Anyway. <laughs> as long as it's not content. <laughs> yeah. We'll be fine. But every time I... And I think it's just because I love it so much... But then every time I thought about actually doing an episode, I would say, what is? what are we going to say that hasn't been said? Every single time. Anthony's so sick of it. But it was great because it was, it was, it was always, it was never like I'd say, let's do Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then you would say, <laughs> but what are we going to say about it? It was always Stacy saying, we should do Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
oh, but what are we going to say about it that hasn't already yeah, been said? Yeah, never mind. <laughs> let's, <laughs> yeah. let's do something else. So I would have the whole argument with myself while Anthony just had a snack and nodded. <laughs> yeah, i just sit back and enjoy my Cheetos. Let me work it out. I'll get there. So whatever. <laughs> so finally, a couple of weeks ago, I said, let's do it. I want to watch it. Let's just do it. I really, I just, I need to see this movie again. And so we planned to do it. It would have come out like last week or the week before or something. And I didn't even think about the fact that the new one was coming out (laughs) at all. And then I watched the trailer for it and I said, oh. (laughs) Just like that. Yeah. I was like, what are these feelings that I'm having? I really want to see that. And so I texted Anthony and I was like, I know we just scheduled it, but what if we wait until the new one comes out and then we do them both together? And Anthony replied and was like, I feel the same way. I watched it too. I can't wait. And we were both losing our, we kept this all secret. We didn't let on to anybody. I didn't post anywhere about how excited I was for this movie. Even a listener left a comment that was like, oh, I bet they're hiding until the new one comes out. It's like, no, we were both hiding because we were so excited about it. Like, and keep in mind, this is a show where horror fandom has shit itself over Five Cream. Halloweens. And nobody would stop talking about it. And the Halloweens. And I mean, granted, with Halloween, we got real excited. But we got everyone knew we were real excited for Kyle Richards and those bangs. Mm-hmm. And that's why we talked about that movie. If you want to call it a movie. That's why we talked about that. We, there is none of this. This is the greatest slasher film ever made or any of that coming out of us. We hated it. Scream, I I saw it. Stacy, you're never going to see it. Nah. I couldn't give two shit. I thought it was an atrocity. <laughs> and then the same person that oh. applied those highfalutin, uh, high-powered high power perceptions <laughs> to those films laid in this bed that I'm looking at right now, because I sleep in our recording studio, <laughs> laid in this bed, and I brought up that trailer, and I said, now this one's going to be different. And I got so fucking jazzed. I watched the trailer. I don't even know why I watched the trailer. I don't even usually watch the trailers for these movies. Mm -hmm. And I watched it and I was like, holy shit. I can't wait. No, I don't. No, the trailers for Halloween's came out. Looked awful. Everyone creamed themselves. Trailers for for Scream comes out. Looks awful. Everyone just loses it. Trailer for this comes out. Looks awful. And I was so ready. I was so pumped. So ready. I was Dr. Loomis. I watched it 10 times. I couldn't stop watching the trailer. Well, Jason, Jason, uh, he has like a clause, like unto you almost, where he will not watch trailers because they usually give away everything. Yeah. Or you just hear, ironically, the Texas Chainsaw camera sound. Or the Midsummer sound now. That's all. Or the... Every trailer is that now. So so that was happening. Uh, so so Jason won't watch, though, the trailers. And even I was sitting there for, like, the last week of War of Terror where I'm like, Jason, I'm watching again. Do you want to watch it? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, it, and I recognized as I was watching this trailer that it looked awful. But something about this one, because I'm not emotionally tethered to this franchise like I am to the initial Scream or I am to the the first, you know, Halloween and Halloween 2 and H2O. 
I'm not tethered. I love the first Texas Chainsaw, but I'm not. I am. I have no hope for any of the sequels or remakes or any films in the franchise because they're all awful, right? Yeah, yeah. I know you have seen them all. There are plenty of the Texas Chainsaw massacres that I have not seen. The, some of the latter sequels and prequels and what the fuck ever. Yeah. Um, I don't know that the original is my favorite horror film, but especially, I mean, the reason why I kept wanting to do it and watching it for today, I was like, but is it the greatest horror film? I kind of think it is. It's really, 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 really good. I kind of, like if somebody said, if someone from another planet said Stacy. What is, like, what is one, what is the one example of a horror movie to teach us about horror movies? I would give them Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh! And then I I would say, are you sure you want to ask me about this? But I would give them Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, absolutely. I think that's brilliant. Like, it's the one. And so I was just shocked that the trailer came out and I was like, I genuinely am looking forward to this. When Sally Hardesty, when grizzled Irish Sally Hardesty says, Leatherface. I was in it! <laughs> I was a, she, she knows his name! <laughs> I was so she, excited. I, uh, dramaturgically, yes, she does know his name, Anthony. Does she? Yes, she does. Do they say it? They say it twice in her presence in the original film. Oh, shit! Yeah. Well, look at me. I've got skin on my face. <laughs> yeah. So finally, after watching, I was so ready last night to watch the new one. I avoided the internet on the day it came out because I was like, I don't want to see anybody's hot takes on this. Did you watch, did you do a double feature like I did? No, I did a two nights. Two nights. Okay. I did a double feature and I don't know if that set me up for success or failure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm coming out the other side of this experience and I say. I fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I will say I have a lot of questions and this movie knows that I have questions because it says we're going to get you asking a whole bunch of questions and we're not going to remotely give a fuck about answering any of them. Why is he at the orphanage? I mean, right off the bat, why is he at the orphanage? Why is she a Texas Ranger? Why is she a Texas Ranger? But I just, I found myself, I was in it. I was like, this movie is so much fun. No, it doesn't make any sense. I am having such a good time. Give me grizzled Texas Ranger Sally Hardesty. This is what Halloween thought it was doing. What Halloween thought it was doing with their final girl's journey is what fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre actually did. All the way down to, he doesn't even know my name. Uh? Which in this movie somehow actually uh, had some impact, I thought, because it's like, what a realization that this man has consumed your life. And dictated yeah. the entire course of your life. And for you to realize that to him, you were nothing. You mean absolutely nothing. I was just like, I, like, I don't like the way her journey ended, necessarily. No, I, I wanted so much more of her. But I'm like, oh my god, look what we fucking got for, like, the OG final girl queen. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just, I don't know. It was gory. It was gross. It was stupid as hell. None of it made any sense from top to bottom and everything in between. Nothing made sense. I have so many questions. I don't care. I had such a good time and I loved it. I am glowing. <laughs> because this proves... That we are a danger to others and a danger to ourselves here at Cambridge of Darkness. <laughs> that what is wrong with us? Yeah, or conversely, what is wrong with everyone else? Are we have we gone full we have always lived in the castle? It's possible. I promise you, Anthony, and I promise everyone who's listening, I am not in the least trying to be a contrarian. I am not trying to go against the grain or say, I'll say this because no one, I'm not trying to be hipster about it. I genuinely had such a good time. There were times when I screamed and put my hands over my face, like home alone. Like there were scary moments. I was, it was tense. It was tense. There were some real shocks in it and some surprises. I've watched the I the other day, I I've watched the ending the last scene like I rewound it like seven times. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is it because is it because I've just have been so burnt by the other ones that claim that they're being that this is the act this is the actual sequel this is the prestige sequel that you deserve right. Meanwhile, this one, uh, advanced screenings were received so poorly it got shunted to Netflix. Yeah, that's how it ended up on Netflix. And yet, I think because this one doesn't have that air of like, it, it's claiming and, uh, and, and following suit with the Scream and with the Halloween and all these reboots or legacy sequels or whatever, but it's following in all that line. And yet, I think because it's not so fucking smelling its own farts every step of the way, I just let go and I let Leatherface. You know? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that maybe that plays a part of it. I just was like, the first time watching it, when my brain went, why? Which was real early on in the proceedings. <laughs> I just said, shut up, brain! Have a good time. And my God, I super duper did. We had an absolute blast watching it. We had an absolute blast. It was, and that's the thing. When I sat through Scream, I was so bored. And I promise I won't keep referencing this against these other movies, but I was so bored sitting watching Scream because it's just, it's just that constant, do you remember this? Do you remember when you saw this 25 years ago and you felt a feeling? Remember that? The whole movie. And I feel like Halloween, it was just mean kill after mean kill after mean kill after mean kill after mean kill and nothing else. This movie is full of mean kills, but it's also not claiming to do it with Jamie Lee Curtis. And it's not saying it's about trauma and it's not, it's just a stupid fun movie with, I'm sorry, a literal chainsaw massacre in it. Yeah. <laughs> is this the only one in the franchise that has a literal chainsaw massacre? <laughs> so I had a blast. I had a blast. I too had so many questions. And I also, I got mad because I wanted so much more Sally Hardesty. But I had a time watching it. 
But I love, like, I didn't like her end, but I love what they did with her. What we don't ever get with Final Girls. And maybe it'll be a trend now because of Halloween and what they're doing with Laurie Strode. But we don't usually get any closure with a Final Girl. Never mind. Oh, here she is again, and now she's like fucking 70. And I'm in it! I love it! (laughs) (laughs) But perhaps we should go back and talk about the original. 1974? Again, my question that has plagued us since the launch of this podcast. What are we going to say that hasn't been said? The cinematography in this film is truly a testament. The famous shot of the camera moving under the swing and following Pam in her shorts as she walks up to the house. (laughs) Truly a masterwork. The 16mm film quality adds a grain of terror to the viewing experience. God damn, it's a good movie. It's It's a good movie! I mean, it's better than good. It's fucking perfect. It is just it is one that for me with it there are no diminishing returns i can't like i can watch halloween and still love those girls still love a lot of things about it but it doesn't really affect me at all anymore i've just seen it too many times yeah this one texas chainsaw i've seen a bunch of times but it's still it still gets me it's still like there's something about this movie and it's all those things and like yes it's the film grain yes it's this that and the other thing but it feels like the equivalent of the broken, binding, uh, yellowed pages, dog-eared, true crime paperback that you find at the used bookstore. Yes! With eight pages of gory pictures in the middle of it. Oh, God. Like, that's what it feels like. It could be that book. And you pick it up and you're like, what is this? And it's called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's about a cannibal family in Texas? What? Like, it, this movie is one of those books come to life, which I know they're supposed to be based on true crime. But do you know what I mean? It's like... Yes, at 100%. This is this is the perfect description of this movie I've ever heard. The most perfect description. And you just, like, when you're, like, 10 years old, you just look at those pictures and you're, it's like there's so, you can't even see what's going on in the pictures because they're so poorly reproduced. But oh, like, yeah, but you, you and your friends look at it and you're like, oh, you can see there's a finger right there. <laughs> yeah. Like, it gives those same kind of feelings. It's so fucking yeah. perfect. It's an assault every time I watch it. Yeah. Every fucking time. Uh, it's incredible. It's gorgeous. My my saga with this film, I, I don't know if I've talked... I mean, I've talked about this with you a lot, but I don't know if I've said this on the show, because we've never talked about this movie specifically. But, you know, I saw this for the first time. I used to just sit... I'd go into my brother's room, and I would look at his VHS tapes. And, I mean, so much of a horror fan's upbringing, I find, is staring at well i guess not today anymore but you know staring at videotape covers just the covers as a a younger person and being traumatized imagining what seedy (laughs) sultry sights are inside right and i would stare at texas chainsaw massacre i actually think it was leatherface texas chainsaw 3 that he had and because this was like circa 1993 and i would just stare at it and be like oh god oh this is so upsetting um and then i finally i was in middle school we rented texas chainsaw massacre we watched it at my friend's house on a shitty tv it was full screen the picture was just awful grain the 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 vcr was shit the tv was shit and it was just repellent and disgusting and gross and i said i never need to see that movie again that was so gross and also where was the blood um (laughs) got a little older saw it again and i said this is a masterpiece 
thanks to 35mm prints that we've been able to screen, luckily enough, in Portland, or gorgeous Blu-ray releases, I've, as an adult, become able to appreciate how cinematically stunning this movie is. And as you've pointed out many a time, that's all a uh, uh, thank you to Daniel Pearl's cinematography. But that's, yeah, I just, so before, it was it was an assault when I first saw it. It's an assault when I watched it the other night. But it just becomes more and more beautiful and artistic for me as I watch it. <laughs> Which is funny about a movie called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a real one. Yeah, I think it's just, it's magic that it couldn't, this movie couldn't have happened. I mean, maybe this sounds dumb, but it couldn't have happened and given us what we have if it happened in any other way. Like, Mm -mm. Marilyn Burns suffered (laughs) on this movie. Uh, She absolutely did. She also gave it everything she had. Um, And if she didn't, it wouldn't be as effective. Uh, if all the actors didn't suffer sitting around that fucking dinner table with the smell, with all the meat rotting in front of them, yeah, you know, if they like, it just God. all of these circumstances came together and just made something really special that can't really be duplicated in this day and age. And a lot of that is to the benefit of cast and crew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like safety is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way this came together is just one of a kind. It's uh, very much its own singular aesthetic, um, which every film in the franchise since then has tried to emulate or or, or even come close to, to reproducing, and they have not a single one has ever done it. I mean, obviously, except Texas Chainsaw 3D, which had the opening sequence that took place directly after the ending of the original film. <laughs> <laughs> piece of shit um it's just it's it, yeah it, it's such a convergence of time and place and and the fate in the stars <laughs> you get toby hooper who is sometimes a absolutely brilliant master filmmaker you have daniel pearl cinematography you have marilyn motherfucking burns inventing the final girl Bob Burns doing all the set design. He made all the, like, that fucking weird chicken thing that's on the dinner table. Oh, God. Like, he made all the stuff that's in this movie. All the art. The bone art. All, uh, you had, I mean, the editing, which, P.S., this movie was edited by a woman. Thank you it, very much. And isn't it funny that how many great films, like, oh, what are this great, uh, prestige director, blah, 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 that all have women di- uh, editors with them. Mm-hmm. Not to take away from the men that are at the helm, but also the women don't get nearly the credit that they deserve. Yeah, Lucas, Scorsese, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Tarantino. Mm-hmm, Tarantino, yep. George Miller. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when it's often their wives that are doing better work than they are <laughs> by yeah. making their movies for them. Yeah, and so Sally Richardson has a co-editing credit on this film, but she did it all herself. Oh, but th- that's the the... Because she's a woman, they had to also co-credit her with a man. Well, he started the editing, and then it was all trash, so they threw it all out, but they like had to keep his name on it. Wow, okay. And then she basically did everything else. God fucking bless a queen. Um, the whole opening with the text crawl and the John Larroquette, like, he was her friend that she brought in to read. She was like, he's got a great voice. He'd be really good for this. Because they had, like, the movie didn't originally start with all of that, but then it needed... Like, it wasn't working, and so they came up with that whole opening. Oh, wow. And with the sunspots and all of that. 
Oh, it's so upsetting. Like it's it's such a it's such a curtain up and scene moment. It's just so upsetting. It really sets the tone. God bless her for I mean, John Larroquette won. How fucking weird. Who would have ever thought? But how how insightful of this queen to to think of him and then how many times has he been asked to reprise reprise exactly that performance? Like in the remake he did it and in this new one he does it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I love the cast from top to bottom. I love the cast oh, of this yeah. movie. Uh, even Franklin. <laughs> I go back and forth on Franklin because he, like, how bold to put a character in the wheelchair and make him the most obnoxious, repellent, non-maniac in the film. Like, you compare him to Mark in Friday the 13th Part 2, who's just, like, gorgeous, perfect, quiet... Oh hunk of an angel of a man and then you have franklin who's just like the worst but i feel i feel so bad for franklin i do mark i how dare you even compare franklin (laughs) (laughs) well i'm just saying like look at the way one movie treats their character no i know but that's so funny to think of because yeah mark is mark is everybody's dream crush after you see that film Regardless of sexual orientation, <laughs> regardless of whether or not you think men should exist or not, <laughs> yeah. like you see him and you just fall in love. We all mourn that that poor man rolling down in his wheelchair with a machete in his face. But then Franklin, yeah, is one of the most challenging characters to bear <laughs> with through a horror film. He is. And I will say, because I have heard one Stacy Ponder... Uh, wax poetic on Franklin and the feelings of sympathy for him. I tried to watch Franklin with like, and his acting in particular with a more open mind and open heart. And I said, you know what? I can see this guy's perspective. He must have been miserable that entire time. Yep. They're all up in the house having fun. And he's stuck down in that like broken down floor, just, (laughs) just spitting at the ceiling can't like it's it's so hot that everybody's hair is sticking to their face it's disgusting it's disgusting this movie sweats yeah (laughs) but how could you not love franklin when the hitchhiker comes and starts acting weird and franklin says the whole family of draculas (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty great how can you not love franklin oh poor franklin franklin the franklin the the thing breaking in the middle and him falling out of the chair into the field and he's trying to pee. Yeah. <laughs> getting chainsawed in the forest. Just, my God, this poor guy. God. You know, right after that, when Franklin gets chainsawed, and then one thing I noted this time was, like, I loved the extended chase sequences that aren't, like, hyper-edited and blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, they're long like sally is running for such a long time and leatherface is like right on her heels like so close and it's so intense and she's screaming and it's nighttime and it's just like horror movies don't do that like if there's a chase sequence at all it'll be broken up Mm -hmm. like into a million different little set pieces of like oh she runs in this building and hides under the bed and then he comes in and then she runs out and does this and then she runs over there and does that but it's like these are just it takes her five minutes to get to that fucking house. Oh, it's exhausting. Yeah. It's absolutely exhausting. And I mean, that's what this whole latter half of this film is doing is just it's putting Sally Hardesty through the 
through the American Ninja Warrior, American Gladiator's <laughs> Ultimate Beastmaster, and Wipeout. She it's putting him through. Ev- she goes through every single one of those courses <laughs> at once through the duration of this film until she just broken at the end. Man, when she's like on the stairs and he comes in and she just jumps out the window, like Boss. no fucking hesitation. She doesn't run in one of the bedrooms and try to hide. Like she just jumps out the fucking window. No, yeah. How many? How many other? Every other film, it's, it's scream, 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 and then you're dead. Run, 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 you're dead. Her survivor instinct, which we have not even seen in a horror film at this point, arguably, her survivor instinct just catapults her through that window, and then she does it again. <laughs> yeah. it, like what she? all final girls deserve to live but my god this woman went through it she went through it and it's you're right we haven't seen anybody like her and hardly have seen anybody like her ever since no this movie did a lot of things for the first time that i recall looking at it now like obviously it's super groundbreaking but like that the whole twisted kind of version of like americana mm-hmm and like, oh, it's a bucolic countryside with a swimming hole. And this is where my granddad was and all that. And just like a fucked up Norman Rockwell yeah. look at life. Like, this is kind of one of the first to do that, I think. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, this is 1974. That's actually pretty telling for the time, too. Mm-hmm. That this is coming off of, this is coming off of the 60s and then this sort of, uh, this Vietnam, <laughs> Vietnam, and this this kind of collective cultural depression that's beginning to set in, and this this the beginning of the, I guess really what that that end of the '60s, this point of the '70s was really that like death of the American dream time, mm-hmm. and so it, it's it's once again high power perception, it's turning <laughs> it around and looking at America within itself, and who are we and what have we become, versus what were the what were the starry-eyed lies and television images that we were telling ourselves who we were? But now we're really forced to sit with what it really means to be an American. And what's more American than Texas? What's more American than Texas and the beef industry? Mm-hmm. Is this a vegetarian manifesto, this film? I think this, I think this movie can have so many meanings ascribed to it. I don't know how many were intentional. Like, I think they just wanted to make a fucked-up scary movie. Yeah. But it reads as one, right? Like, it reads as a vegetarian manifesto. It reads as a manifesto about the dissolution of the American family. Or, or you know, like you said, the American dream was all a lie. Yeah, yeah. Well, look at this family who's absolutely crushed under it, or their inability to achieve it. And they have to eat other human beings (laughs) to support themselves. But in the process, too, you see... That the, just this idea of things, of living beings being reduced to meat or being reduced to usage, to utility. Yeah, I think that's a really a moment that's still... First of all, like I, the dinner scene, I've just seen there's so many imitators in all of this. And so I'm just like, ah, like that was my one thought watching it was like, ugh, the dinner scene's going to show up. The dinner scene comes so late in the film and yeah. it's actually so short. It's like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. But it feel in my memories and everything, it feels so outsized and like a centerpiece. It's a lot, and it's it's the culmination of the film. But then also, that's 
in all of the sequels and remakes and reboots of which there are legion the whole movies become the dinner scenes and every single one of them has one except 3d where she says do you think cuz instead (laughs) so watching it this time i had been dreading it but then when it arrived i actually found myself a bit chilled by it again because like there's the moment where you realize and sally realizes like you both realize at the same time that these people that she's with are completely empty like Mm -hmm. they are a hundred percent devoid of humanity there is nothing there is no empathy there is nothing you are just dinner Mm -hmm. that they will play with before they eat and it's fucking horrifying (laughs) yep i don't know so i was just like as many times as i've seen it i still was like dazzled by this fucking movie it's very effective i'm very i'm very much having a like a a case of the hoops the hoopers (laughs) (laughs) just having having spent some time you know this last half this year we we did the fun house we've done i mean maybe the fun house was a while ago i don't but it feels like it was just a couple months ago for me eaten alive salem's lot just getting to dial into these things again and seeing how solid the output was in so many different places i mean as you've pointed out sometimes just out of the sheer luck of collaboration but it's just so effective yeah i think he knew what he wanted but he just didn't always have the collaborators that allowed him to get it but when he got it but when he got it it was he knew how to get everyone to dial in yes and this is the i of out of it is i mean out of any of his movies this is the the first and the best of having everyone dial in like that and part of that was you had like a hungry cast like marilyn burns when i interviewed her oh my god what a dream i have this i have this polaroid selfie of the two of us you were in person yeah I interviewed, like, I interviewed her in her hotel room while she was getting ready for the convention. <laughs> she was like, we can talk in here if you don't mind. I remember, I remember reading, because, was that on Final Girl? It, I, I might have posted parts of it. It was in a magazine. It was in Sirens of Cinema magazine. They published it. And then parts, of, like, outtakes and stuff like that. I think I published on Pretty Scary, maybe, back in the day. That's amazing. I remember you talking about interviewing her on Final Girl, but in my mind, I don't know. That oh, I'm sure I talked about it because it was. A I dream. don't know that I'd seen the article, but I didn't realize you were with her in person. Holy oh yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. So I have this Polaroid selfie of the two of us, but because she was so tiny, I had to like squat down. So I have a lot, like all kinds of chins. <laughs> <in it. laughs> But it's still, like, a treasured possession, for sure. Was she wearing her Eaten Alive wig? No, but you know what? I did find the interview, and I asked her about that wig in the interview. (gasps) And she said, I don't know, maybe she was a little kinky. Oh, my queen! (laughs) Oh, what a queen. Oh, she was just a dream. And, like, we emailed a bunch of times afterwards. And so, like, she was just an absolute angel. When was that? Oh God! Probably like two thousand seven, maybe. Right. That sounds right. That sounds right. Something like that. And then she passed in two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, R.I.P. Queen. Yeah, but like she had, she had mentioned in the movie that like 
she was, you know, it was like her first big role in a movie. And so she didn't want to hold back because she had to, she's like, they didn't want to get fired. <laughs> so yeah. like running through the brambles, you can't be like, Ooh, ow, look out for the sticks. Oh, you just have to like do it. And she committed to it 110%. And that's why it's so effective. Like she's, you know, she is fully engaged in the terror and it comes across to us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's a real actor. She's living it. She's embodying it. Do you think she do you think she had nightmares from doing it like um like Paul Dano had for playing the Riddler in the new Batman movie? <laughs> I mean, she might have. She didn't mention it. She didn't mention. I feel like hers would be earned. Would yeah, sending used <laughs> condoms to her castmates like Jared Leto. You know. I mean, Sally Hardesty is truly like we in our Necronomalogue, the very first one that we did for the Final Girls Berlin Festival. Um, we talk about our top favorite Final Girls. Maybe you've watched it at GaylordStarkest.com/necro. But um, Sally's our number one Final Girl on there. Like, because chronologically, really, she was the first. But also, like, look at how fiercely she fights for herself. And that's something that we address. That does not show up again until Nancy Thompson. We get Lori just screams and looks for keys and freaks out and survives (laughs) somehow. She survives. She's a survivor. Yeah. Well, Chris Higgins. Chris Higgins. Oh, right. Chris Higgins fights like crazy. Yeah. And is nuts. Um... Yeah, that's true. I think Nancy is the proto Sydney Prescott, where it's like fighting for everything, yes. but she's proactive. Yes, absolutely. But Setting like those traps and stuff. It was essentially if we track to Chris Higgins, what that's eighty three, two, mm-hmm. three, two. That's almost ten years. Yeah, yeah. It's a, the best part of a decade in de- between those depictions, getting from Sally Hardesty to getting to, and I mean. Yes, she screams. Yes, she is a survivor. Yes, these awful things happen to her. But I think that launching yourself through the window, the just constant, constant movement, just doing what you need to do to get away is a somewhat more proactive than we even got from Laurie Strode in the beginning. Running and running and running. And she, even at the end, like, yes, the truck shows up and, you know, saves her, et cetera, et cetera. But she would not have stopped until she collapsed. Like, she she never would have fucking given up. Yeah. Yeah, it's just pure. And that's the thing is, like, I, I maybe I haven't been very much. Maybe I don't give Sally Hardesty the credit she deserves because I always talk about how just she's lost by the end of the film. Like, she's gone when she gets into that truck. But is she? I think she's celebrating. She's so happy. She won. She's traumatized and going to be a little cuckoo for a little while. But I was happy in the new film because I think that is a read of the end of Chainsaw. Is that, oh, she drives off, but she's there's nothing left. She's cuckoo crazy now. And the new one is like, no, she was traumatized. And she says to Mr. Leatherface... I'm the one who got away. And so that kind of colors the ending of the original a little more. And you can see it as her laughing in his face and celebrating. And like, yeah, she's exhausted and traumatized in all of this. But it's also like, fuck you. Bye. <laughs> I'm I'm having a feeling right now. <laughs> I am 
full Lisa Barlow driving up to the Taco Bell drive-thru. <laughs> like, I my eyes are tearing up. <laughs> Thinking that that Sally Hardesty that is laughing and laughing because she fucking won against all odds, that she's gonna, she takes that, everything that happened to her, and then she's like, I'm gonna become a motherfucking Texas Ranger and I'm gonna save other women from pieces of shit like this. And then I'm gonna use everything that I learned and I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna fucking kill him. It was, I was so. I'm getting emotional. Do I like this movie even more now? <laughs> I was so pleased with old ass Sally Hardesty. I was genuinely like, this is great. And this is, I wish Laurie Strode was more like this. But Laurie Strode is like. Crying, guzzling wine. In yeah, the like. Her, tr- like, yes, she made her mannequin gauntlet in her backyard and her panic room, but she's also a disaster of a human. And to be fair, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. kids' lives up. Yeah, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we don't see a lot of Sally's life. We see her butcher and a hog, and then she's like, oh, this is hardesty. She gets her phone call. <laughs> Would she butcher a pig, though, after everything? I feel like she'd be a hardcore vegetarian after this night, but but otherwise. She gets a phone call. She gets a phone call, and she is ready for business. But she's dedicated her life to not only stopping him, but just, like, yeah, stopping other people from being hurt. Yeah. So it's just, I appreciated that she was more... While also admitting to her trauma, like, at the end, when she says to girl (laughs) 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 don't run or you know he'll haunt you forever Mm -hmm. because she has also fucking been through it and i'm sure she had so much that she had to work through in her life but she even uses that to help someone else you know like i don't know i just i thought it was really great yeah the only, honestly, my only issue, well, the, the, I don't believe she would be butchering an animal. Um, but you know, it's Texas and she's like grizzled. <laughs> and if you live in Texas and you're grizzled, you're going to butcher a hog. Uh, so I don't believe she'd do that. And I wanted just like a little more time with her. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I wanted a good 10 more minutes with this Sally. She has her Polaroid photo, which, you know, your brain says, who took that picture? Yeah, was that supposed to be the picture the hitchhiker burnt up? Right, because it's not. It's not. (laughs) But But it was really touching that she had that. And I loved that she used it as a source of strength when she needed it in the moment. Like, she kept it with her that whole time and had to, like, it was like a talisman or something, like. You know, she looked at it when she needed strength and courage to go after him. And Mm -hmm. when she said all of their names, like when she was fighting Leatherface. That was nice. I was like, why is this movie, this piece of shit, like doing a nice sensitive portrayal (laughs) of final girl trauma? Wasn't that nice? It was I loved it. I genuinely loved it. Kirk. (laughs) I was like, it was her brother and her best friend and her boyfriend. And they were all butchered. And My it was just nice. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice for this movie to kind of acknowledge that they were actual people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's what I wanted in Halloween Bangs between Lori and Sheriff Brackett was to like, why don't you guys talk about Annie? 
talk about Annie. We get a flashback to Annie on, on the gurney, which is hilarious because that's Halloween 2, which this movie does not recognize. Right. Um, <laughs> we get that. But, like, that's what, honestly, say what you will, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, there he finds a lot of narrative character power in establishing the relationship between Annie and Lori as survivors together. When Annie dies in that film, for real this time, it completely breaks Lori. Like, it's about those, it's about the relationships. So why don't we have Lori Strode? She has a mannequin gauntlet. Why isn't there like a little, just a, why doesn't she have a framed portrait of Annie somewhere? Like, why don't we get that heart? That's the thing, there's none of that heart in that that's what i hated about those movies was they were so mean there was just no heart this you're absolutely right there is more heart in sally hardesty's just saying the names of the people she loves oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> do i love this movie i just thought it's stupid it's really fun it's super gory but am i like actually emotional over like the, the things that this movie is doing i was i was le- legit emotional over sally hardesty i love her I love that what she went through, she, this is the result of it. I wish we had more time with her because, you know, and I don't like her ignominious end, but... Yeah, I didn't agree with that either. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, the first film, the original, it also takes so long to get to the house. Man, the, the sound of that generator when they're fucking walking up to the house is just like... Oh. Because you've seen it and you know what's... But it's just, there are so many omens and every and you know ties in the astrology that pam is talking about and all of this i love pam with her astrology pam's so fucking cool (laughs) pam's the best (laughs) but like when you hear the radio in the background every news story was like a family was butchered and this building exploded and this happened and like it's literally it's like oh they found a child chained up in the bedroom of a house it's just all doom and gloom and we don't get to the house until after like a half an hour of film time like yeah you have the hitchhiker which is a more overt kind of like oh this is fucked up right but the whole thing is just uh, just creepy from the outset but you get time Absolutely. with these characters in the van you esta- all the relationships are established. They're all charming in their own ways. Yes, even Franklin with his family of Dracula's comment, all right? Uh-huh. When he's talking about the, <laughs> the slaughterhouse. Oh, and, my God. And how they kill the, the cows. Oh, see, maybe this ties into her butcher and the hog, too. Uh, when Franklin's like, oh, and they just shoot the thing right into their skull. It's like, chum, chish, chum, chish. And then you hear Sally in the front go, Franklin, I like me. Please change the subject. Oh! <laughs> and I love Sally. I love all of them. And so just yeah. for 50 fucking years later, like, it's been 50 years, you guys. It's so funny because I was reading some of the, what is it, the Texas Chainsaw Companion or whatever. Some book that came out that was about all the movies. And in that book, they were talking about the 30th anniversary of the movie. This movie's 30 years old and people are still talking about it. Can you believe it? (laughs) And then to prepare for this show, I put in my 40th anniversary Blu-ray. Yup. And now it's like, oh my God, it's almost 50 years. Listen, it's still 48. (laughs) 
That's Samara. Ring, ring. <laughs> You're like, oh, 50 years. All right, I got some time. Oh, good. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that's, not, that's not such a bad curse. That's at least 27 Blu-ray re-releases. <laughs> yeah, but what I mean is, like, for the for Sally to still hold them so dear. Yeah. And to still have the pain and still have such a, like hunger for vengeance after 50 fucking years i think it's well, so cool that is the event of her life yeah that is the trauma of her life that's what her, her everything became that became her life in that moment so if you haven't watched it uh what's it about some influencers buy a town somehow somehow <laughs> at this... first i was like are they just squatters hoping to just sell this stuff like illegally yeah they buy a one street town that has everything on the one street uh which is they... ironically also a bulgarian film set <laughs> the only people who live there are alice krieg leatherface <laughs> and a hot mechanic <laughs> that motley crew uh let's see they show up uh alice krieg took leatherface into her orphanage after the events of the first film and you say oh so i guess he was supposed to be eight (laughs) that's the thing when you see the picture of her her, her boys in the orphanage and there's like a big hulking one in the background and it's like wait did he go join the orphanage after the first movie did he was he from the orphanage and then went to the family and then went back to the orphanage (laughs) but that's the thing that's what i was saying like at the top of the hour when we started talking about this film is this movie knows that you're gonna ask those questions and it's like i'm not gonna answer them i'm not gonna even give you any clues that might make you come up with an answer on your own you're right it's very italian it says just deal with it just deal with it he is Alice Krieg's ward of the state. He is also se- he's also seventy, I guess. Yeah, seventy. So the influencers come in to Alice Krieg's uh, orphanage, and they're like, "We want the house," and she's like, "No, it's my house." And then she has a heart attack or something. So they're gonna go take her to the hospital. And Leatherface, who is just face at this point, he doesn't have yeah. any leather on it. Just face. Just face. Uh, They go, and she dies, and he flips out and kills everybody and takes her face and put it on. Puts it on, becomes Leatherface again, and then he's, like, real mad. And so he goes back to the town and kills everybody. Somebody calls Sally and is like, oh, he's back. And she's like, all right, Leatherface. (laughs) Leatherface. They fight. Uh, You have Elsie Fisher and Great Value, Ilana Glazer, are the last two alive. (laughs) The sisters. Um, <laughs> one of them dies. They kill Leatherface, but then he, like they shoot him a bunch of times, but then he's fine. He's fully um, Michael Myers in this one. Yeah. And then post-credits, he's walking back up the driveway to his old house. And I'm like, why are you not at the house to begin with? <laughs> what was the house? And I say... Forget it, brain. This is Harlow Town. You're never gonna know. There are so many questions. How was he alive? What was this town, Harlow? Uh, what was the deal with the orphanage? How old was Leatherface? In the first movie, he gets his leg cut by the chainsaw, and he's like, "Oh, ow, ow, ow!" 
out. This one, he gets shot 50 times and is like, well. <laughs> Does he make sounds? I don't remember if he makes sounds in this or if he's purely mute. He's mostly mute, I think. Okay, that's what I thought. But he gets a face. Uh, I was shocked as shocked can be when Hot Mechanic got it. Oh, absolutely. So violently. My God. Every <laughs> single character in this movie dies except Elsie Fisher. Yeah. Right? Every yep. single character. And Leatherface. Yep. He kills like 50 people in this yeah. movie. <laughs> it's, I mean, if you want gore and violence, man. And a real, like Anthony said, a a chainsaw massacre. This is the movie for you. It was crazy, over-the-top gory, and I was loving every moment. That party bus. So good. Fucking amazing. (laughs) I I don't give a shit. I don't care. How did he, because the driver, everyone's hiding on the bus, hide on the bus, because they see one of the guys got killed, and they're like, oh no, he's laying dead on the street. Quick, let's just hide on this bus. So they all hide on the bus. And then the, there's a sound or something. And so the bus driver gets off the bus and he walks around the bus. We're led to believe that Leatherface somehow silently chainsaws off his head. Well, you hear this. You can hear the saw. You hear like a little. Oh, do you? I didn't yeah. hear it. Okay. Yeah. So I wondered why the bus driver wordlessly got off the bus to begin with. <laughs> yeah. He leaves. The head lands in the stairwell in the bus. Next thing you know, Leatherface is on the bus. Somebody threatens him with canceling. And then he just chainsaws everybody. <laughs> and it's everything you ever want. People are getting split in half. People are... It's just its just over the top. And i it's everything. When you hear the title, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's what you want. This is what people thought the first film was. When people see the first film, and it's like, wait, there's really kind of no violence in this. What is it? But this is what they all imagined. Think back to the um, the Pam hanging on the hook, going ow, ow, ooh, ow, and then and then her and then and then watching from the front of Kirk's corpse as Leatherface just like gestures a chainsaw near it. I was shocked at that. I watched very closely when he picks up Pam and hangs her. And she was hanging for something. They, like, tied pantyhose around her. Oh, it's the worst. And the hook was facing the other way. Okay. But she was she was in pain because, I mean, of the, of the rig they had her in. Yeah. But, like, watching it, I tried to pay close attention. And there's a cut. It's like, you don't see anything. Mm-mm anything and then like you said like uh kirk is totally obscured and let gunner hansen's just going wee with a chainsaw like you don't see anything yeah yeah it's this when franklin dies it's just gunner hansen gesturing a chainsaw near the camera and people are spitting blood on him yeah and people are just back and forth back and forth back and forth yeah and that's that's gorier than the the cutting them up for dinner scene with pam and kirk Mm mm-hmm and then in Uh. this one like (laughs) Bank queen gets cut. I was bummed when she died. She gets cut in half as she's trying to crawl out the bus window. Oh, I was hoping she would go on to be one of the final girls with them. Yeah. Her but front yeah. half fall- falls off and then her guts <sighs> plop out. It's like, holy moly. That last intestine that's like shooting out like a little, and like a, like it's like a, like got a little anchor attached. It <laughs> slides down the... Yeah. The window of the bus. Oh, so gross, but I loved it. 
Loved it. Did you <laughs> notice? Did you notice when Leatherface was chainsawing into the party bus bathroom how he made the same pattern that he made on the front door of the house in the mm, first movie? Mm-hmm. Look what and you did to the door. I remember when you did that to the door, but this time it's a party bus. <laughs> That's right. And this time no one's going to yell at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know, man. I just really had fun with it. I liked it. Yeah. It was I, so stupid. It was really stupid. Nothing made any sense. I love what they did with Sally. Loved her journey. Thought the violence was uh, fun and way more graphic than I was anticipating. I have to give them props. It was really good gore. It was really good gore. Hot mechanic. Oh, such a babe. Like, (laughs) I couldn't, like, uh, Leatherface just kept using that hammer. Watching that again and again and again and again. Oh, just obliterated his head. Oh. It was so fun. It was actually actively suspenseful, too. Unlike unlike all of these reboot, requel, remake, whatever the fucks, it was actually suspenseful, which was very surprising for a first-time director, too. It, I, yeah, I liked that it took its time. Like, Great Value Alana Glazer ends up trapped in the orphanage, and she's there for a while and has to kind of keep moving from place to place, space to space, room to room, to try to avoid Leatherface with all his stomping around. And I was like, I like that this is protracting this. It's a stalker sequence. Yeah. It was nice. And then it was really nice to see like, oh, Hot Mechanic is coming now, but Leatherface is hiding behind the door. And oh, look, she's going to reach with her foot and try not to be caught as she angles the mirror just slightly so he can see the reflection. And it was suspenseful. Yeah. That queen... Poor blonde queen, who I loved when she texted, the old lady died. Yeah. Um, <laughs> poor, poor blonde queen in the in the ambulance, trying to like get out of that truck or out of that ambulance and not being aware where he is in relation to her, like actually suspenseful. Actually suspenseful, and those women, her. Great Value Alana Glazer. Like, they weren't stupid horror movie characters, which I appreciated. You know? Usually people in those situations are dum-dums, but they both played it fairly smart, so. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the two of them. I liked them as sisters. Mm-hmm. I weirdly thought the school shooter, school shooting backstory for Elsie Fisher was strangely um, not a, exploitive or offensive and kind of interesting. Yeah, I think it was nice that they didn't overuse it. Yeah, but that 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 she had already had an experience like unto Sally. Right. And now that gives us more reason to one not well not not reason to invest in her but reason to invest in or believe in her survival. And the worst has already happened to her. But now it's happening again and it's even worse. Um and I I I thought that was interesting that it's like you know, at first when the influencers show up and they're like, this is a chance for people to start fresh somewhere without the violence and the madness. <laughs> and I'm like, what violence and madness are you influencers talking about? But then like kind of bringing it back and have it, and checking me and being like, this is a Zoomer that her whole fucking school was shot up. And then placing that, putting that against 
like this new urban terror of guns and all that but placing that then against a 70s fear of this rural deep south americana it's really interesting in a way i don't know if it had something to say on purpose but it said something it was that's the thing it was consideration for a script for oh my god i'm fully stockholming myself i like this movie a lot (laughs) no stockholm required here (laughs) here's the thing I went on a journey. We have been very open <laughs> yeah, that's about this journey true. on the show. I went I went, and I watched, because I got possessed earlier this year, and I said it on the show. I was going to go back and I was going to watch them. I watched Texas Chainsaw 3D. Hey, loved it, but hated it. <laughs> it was awful, but Daddario saying do your thing, because was truly revolutionary. Um, I watched... Leatherface, Next Generation, or Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw 3, and then I watched Next Generation. They're all awful. Yeah, you and our friend of the show, Mike, over at the Evolution of Horror, also did Oh, Mike did all of them. Yeah, he did a deep dive on the series, and the two of you, I say, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Both of you, please love yourselves a little more. I think back, I think back to, uh, to Regina Hall in Scary Movie, but she says that girl doesn't have no self-respect. <laughs> that's that's me. I'm that girl. Yeah. I I still haven't watched Leatherface, the new, new, newest one, mm. the, the Lily Taylor and Stephen Dorff opus. Um, and who knows if I will? But I'm gonna say it. This is the only good sequel. <laughs> like two is what two is wacky, and I, I'm not a fan really. Three is just, it's just awful. It's just people screaming and it's awful. Four is even more people screaming. Queer horror people, gay people love four. But let's be real. You only love it because Leatherface is in drag and because Renee Zellweger's in it. There's nothing else. Well, okay. The woman that runs the insurance agency in the middle of the forest. She's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) All the movies are awful. I hate the remakes. I love the tea ladies. That's the only way this movie could have been better. (laughs) alice krieg say she comes back from an appointment down the street with the tea ladies (laughs) alice krieg man her in this movie i just thought what a what a strange career she's had like when she started out my earliest memory of her is from ghost story yeah, when she's like, I'm hot and I'm going to kill you all. Where she was hot and killed everybody. And so it's like you think that would put her on one trajectory. And then it's like all of a sudden she's a crone. Yeah. Or just playing nothing but crones. And I say, what did I miss in between? Aren't there three stages to a woman's life? <laughs> Maiden, mother, and crone. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then there's Alice Krieg who's just challenging all of it. Yeah. And so it's just well, always, every time I see her in something like this, I'm just like, uh, does she she deserves something more than what she gets, I feel. Alice Krieg is the, like, she's almost like Lynn Shay, where she just gets cast and shows up a lot in these, like, character actory roles, always as herself, but always as Alice Krieg being a, doing a wacky performance, right? But she's an incredible actor. She's absolutely incredible. She's very talented. You can tell she's very smart and very, like, in-depth with her work and how she approaches it. But, yeah, she's she's kind of like the glamour horror character actor, right? But she definitely deserves better. Because, <laughs> like, she should she should be, like, a, a, 
a Viola Davis and a Judy Dench, I would, in my mind. <laughs> like, I think she's that talented. But it's interesting, because she did Ghost Story, and then what? Was it, I guess in, in Star Trek, for, when she was the Borg Queen, that's when she was both hot and a cro- and becoming that, a crone. Yeah, that was her matron there. It was the, yeah, it was the Borg Queen that really tr- did that. That was the bridge. That transition. Yeah, where she was like, well, I'm hot, but I'm also gross and just as fine. <laughs> yeah. And then Christabella happened, and then and then she went full crone with the Gretel and Hansel, which she's also fucking fantastic in. Oh, and Stay Alive, how could we ever forget Elmer Fudd as portrayed by Bernadette Peters? <laughs> she got to do it for a second in this. She got to do a soft I, R. I, heard, I said maybe the Elmer Fudd wasn't a put-on. She thinks she really can't say ours. Maybe. What are you doing in my house? <laughs> I love her. <laughs> How sad. How it truly was tragic that she really did own that house and they didn't believe her. She was invaded by these influencers. She offered them tea and was perfectly nice to them. And they bullied her to death. Yeah. I liked these influencers as gentrifying pieces of shit. Mm-hmm. And Leatherface was Carol Kane and Kimmy Schmidt and stopped the gentrifiers. Well, it's a parallel to the original movie, right? Like, which the, the original is, like, defending the home turf. But, uh-huh. But they were there incidentally. They, you know what I mean? And Whereas these people are gentrifying and trying to take over and invade the home turf. So it's just yeah. kind of like, isn't that just a sign of our workaday world that's gotten even colder and more harsh since 1974? Wow, man. The monsters, too. Right? It's not just the monsters. It's not just the monsters. Are we faces or are we leather faces? <laughs> this is the, the, question. Fact, the fact that he's wearing Alice Creek's face this entire movie. Honestly. And somehow it looks nothing like her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's amazing. When I knew, when I when I first heard Alice Creek was going to be in the film, I shit myself. <laughs> and, and then, but had you told me at the time that she would also be the leather face. Right. <laughs> uh, and people hate this movie? People hate it. <laughs> it's just, what is, what is the Gaylord's secret? I don't know. I just, uh, I loved it. Sorry. I did. I, I genuinely, like, not even in an ironic way. Like, I genuinely loved it. We had that exact conversation when we both were ta- texting each other about the trailer. Mm-hmm. I was high. I was in bed, literally dreading telling you and Jason how excited I was for that trailer that I couldn't stop watching. Yeah. And then I get your text and I lost my shit. <laughs> and you even, you said then I'm not trying to be a contrarian. And I said exact same. Yeah, I was like, it's not I don't... that I was burnt by Scream and the others, and now I need vengeance by liking this. No, I hadn't seen any other opinions about it. You know, of like, oh, this looks like a piece of garbage or whatever. Like, it, yeah, but I'm excited. Oh yeah, because I was like, oh yeah, it, of course it makes perfect sense that the whole internet thinks this looks like shit, and we're excited. And you, you had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah, just make the movies fun, people. Make it fun. Throw in a little dash of heart. And. I'm a happy camper. So I don't know. I'm curious to see how listeners feel about it. I think a lot of people just really hated it. That's okay. A lot of people hated it. I've seen, I've seen a lot of people say similar things too, um, where they're just like, I had a really good time watching this and that's all I wanted. So that's nice. But yeah, most people just think it's a piece of shit, but I'm, 
telling you, turn that high power perception <laughs> back at yourself. Thank you, Clarice. Well, I'm also glad that I got the original out of my system now. We've done an episode on it. I don't have to bring it up every week. <laughs> How amazing that we we finally got to do the original while talking about like the most hated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't anticipate that these would be the circumstances under which we would finally talk about it. But I'm kind of glad because I think had we done an episode already, I probably wouldn't have watched the original going into this one. And mm-hmm. so I just, I think they complement each other very well. Yes, one of them is a legitimate masterpiece. Mm-hmm. The, the other one I had fun with. But I think thematically and stuff like that, I do actually think they complement each other very well. It weirdly fits. And at the end of the day, it is a fun horror sequel in the style of um, something mind-numbing like one of the Friday the 13th franchise entries, which you can say you just want a fun slasher film all you want, but the newest movies are not fun slasher films. <laughs> this is actually just a fun, stupid movie with a nice pace. Thank you, editors. Leatherface. Leatherface. <laughs> she, when she's tied up at the table, he says it. She hears them upstairs, and you can tell by her face that she is actively hearing them upstairs. And the hitchhiker wow. runs by and says, uh, like, Leatherface, come help me with the whatever. Give me a hand with Grandpa. And then at the table, he says Leatherface again. So she wow. absolutely knows that he's called Leatherface. I love, I stand corrected. And that, but that, doesn't that just, doesn't that, that ties in so well to this new movie that she was down there hearing that and remembers that and has remembered that for 50 years and then that shock and that moment where she has to reevaluate her entire life when she realizes that he doesn't even remember that she existed. Now, if she had cocked her shotgun and said, oh, family of Draculas, then I would have died. We wouldn't even be here recording because I would have <laughs> keeled over in abject joy. Now, what would have happened had the influencers never bullied Alice Krieg and realized they didn't have the deed to her house and instead they just revitalize the town and then Leatherface just also lived there peacefully I guess I mean Hot Mechanic lived like right next door and I think everybody was wary like they call him weird right like he's he's weird so but I think he probably would have kept to himself (laughs) he had a motivation it wasn't just uh he doesn't kill them right away when they go in the orphanage no it was active retribution yeah so I guess they would have just been neighbors I do love small towns where it's like, oh, you know, Leatherface, that cannibalistic monster that wears people's skin. Weird. (laughs) Oh, the Blair Witch, according to Mary Brown. Weird. Yeah, she's weird. Oh, weird. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Well, okay. Now that we've gotten Texas out of our system, and I can say I think I've finally gotten this fucking franchise out of my system. Will I go back and watch the very last one now just to be completist? I don't know. Maybe it's not self-love. Stacy, with all of that said, are you ready to place your head on the chopping block? Nay, <gasps> Mashayo! And what is the chopping block? 
The chopping block, thank you very much, is our question and answer game show here on Gaylords of Darkness, in which we present each other with three categories of questions of horror trivia to choose from. We choose our category, we answer five sequential questions, and we have ten seconds to answer each question. Unless you call out, I want the wig, in which case... Not a wig, but Alice Krieg's skin face <laughs> levitates down from Harlow, Texas onto your face and confuses our non-binary executioner, the heads they, and earns you an additional 10 seconds. Uh, if you get your questions right, then well done, baby, you're a star. If you get them wrong, you're dead and, you know, you don't have a head now, so. All chopped up. You're all chopped up. Well, I think uh, that I asked first last week because my categories were so terrible that I wanted to get it over with. What was it? Name a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It was my low point. It was spectacular. Listen, nothing, everything was retrograde. (laughs) This is true. Pam said. Everything was retrograde. Pam told us, and so, you know, I fully understand. It was very funny. I enjoyed it. My brain Um, was definitely retrograde. So, (laughs) it was somewhere. So (laughs) I feel, then, that that means, perhaps, that I am asking you first. That's right. Let's get it. I have two new categories for you. Wowza, wow. One returning category, as you might have guessed. Uh, your returning category is Who Asked for This Part 2? It's back again, in which you just have to name one single actor from these otherwise completely forgettable and unnecessary remakes. No <laughs> way. I, I don't understand the hex and I won't respond to it. You're. Next new category is Texas Chainsaw. We get it. In which you have 60 seconds to name every film in the Texas Chainsaw franchise. I don't even know how many there are, my friend. Because what if there's 35? Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Eight, nine. There's nine. Jesus Christ. Uh, well, I'm not going to do that one. I can tell you that right now. Okay, well, there's nine of them. So if you feel like it, you have 60 seconds plus a wig or a skin face to name every film in the Texas Chainsaw franchise. And your third and final category, also a new category, is Man of a Thousand Skin Masks, in which I give you a name... And you tell me whether or not it is one of Leatherface's many given names from the franchise. Oh, boy. Leatherface goes through as many names as he does faces in these over the course of these films. You know- so you have a 50-50 chance, Stacy. It's a yes or a no. It's a yes, that is his name, or no, that's not his name. Anyway, which one? I'll do the first category. Who cares? <laughs> Kill me! <laughs> Okay, so remember, in this category, you have to name just one actor. I know, I've been dreading it. Okay, that's good to know. Well, it's come back to haunt me. This is my leather face. Leather face. Uh, Category. (laughs) 
pull out my picture of, uh, I don't know, Mama Moo to get me through, give me strength. <laughs> yeah, your, your blood smear Polaroid of Mama Moo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Her and her truck. I love how she was like, oh, like there's this like four foot tall goblin woman. She yeah. had that shotgun. God, she was cool. Okay. She, um, I think also just uh, visually, I think they did a great job finding an actress to play that part also. Yes, yes. She's also, um, everyone's watched this movie Beast. She's in it. Uh, she plays, I think, just a cop. She has a tiny role, but I really, it's a great movie. It's fucked up. Hmm. Um, it's the only thing I know her from. Oh, Irvin She was in Mandy. Oh, yeah, she was one of the cultists? Yeah. Mother Marcy May. Marlene. <laughs> Whatever. Good for her. I want more. I I want them go back, put ten more minutes of her in this movie, and I'd be like absolutely the happiest camper. Um yeah. Okay. Name Who asked for this part two? You name a single fucking actor. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes. You got it? Got it. Alright. I'll give you the remake in the year. Um number one. Prom night two thousand eight. Oh no! <laughs> oh, uh, Br- uh, Britney Snow! Ding, ding, ding. Okay. <laughs> wow! 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 Uh oh. Okay. All right. All right. You got this. You got this. Number two. One missed call. Two thousand eight. Shannon Sossamer. Ding, 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 ding. I only know that because she's so pretty. Oh, man. How many movies do I only I only know? I haven't seen them, but I can tell you who's in them because it's Shannon Sossamer and I love those eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Um, actress I love that I have only seen like three of her movies. Um, the Fog, 2005. Selma Blair. Ding, 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 ding. Who love her. Play? She is hashtag not my Stevie Wayne. <laughs> oh, you do love Selma? Yeah, of course. Who doesn't? Oh, thank you. I love Selma Blair. Yeah. Well, I just was worried because I was going back through old Final Girl and I found your review of The Fog. Oh, God. And, I mean, you hate Selma Blair in it, but naturally because she's not Stevie Wayne, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. But then I was like, oh, I hope Stacy doesn't dislike Selma Blair in other things. I don't dislike her in Cruel Intentions, that's for sure. Oh, well, we all know why that Okay. Is. Are you for real? Okay, number four. Look at you. You're almost there. Okay, I'm getting more nervous. Okay. Put on that thinking wig because this <laughs> next face. movie. <laughs> the thinking face. <laughs> what are you doing with my house? The, this <laughs> next question is, or number movie is, Pet Cemetery 2019. Ah, ding, ding, dongs. Who's that lady? Who's that lady? Amy Simmons? Yes! Ding, 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 ding! Well done, because she is... I love her. Yeah. I love her, and she never gets to do anything good in movies. (laughs) I'm sorry, she never gets to do good movies. Who's the man in that? Great value, Patrick Wilson. He's unbearable. Um, Jason Clark is his name. Sure. Never would have got that. No, but I, the other one was, I mean, the one that I thought you might get was John Lithgow. <gasps> right, I forgot about him. But in my mind, he was Alan Alda. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. Okay, we have made it all the way to number five. 
This one's very recent. We did cover this movie, and this oh. movie is Wrong Turn 2021. Oh, no. Oh, please. Uh, give me the wig. Uh, um, wrong Turn. Oh, I don't remember any of it. Oh, no. Nope. I can picture them. Does that count? Mm. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, the man, the dad, the dad. Don't tell me. The father was so I won't good. tell you. I won't tell you, Seven I know. Head. I know I'm dead. Leatherface I... is waving your head around in the street. <laughs> the father was somebody. He's the only actor. Yeah. Well, that's not true. There's also oh, another actor. Oh, was it um, McDreamy? <laughs> I don't know his name, Patrick is somebody. That, is that how he's written on your wall? <laughs> my Mr. journal, Dreamy. yes. And, and my you write, you write Mrs. Stacy Miss Dream. That's right, it's on my notebook cover. <laughs> <laughs> was it Patrick Dempsey? No. No. <laughs> okay. He was in Scream. Sure. Is somebody like that though? It is. You're right. 80s heartthrob. Do you want me to tell you? Oh, Matthew Modine. God damn it. There you it. go. Ding, ding, ding. You're dead, though. <laughs> okay. I shout it to you. I spell it out in something in your house. And you say, who put that there? Because <laughs> I'm dead. You can't see me. Well, it just materialized through the yeah. phone cord. I spell it in popcorn or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Matthew Modine, literally the only act. Like, that's a hard one. That's why I saved that for last, because that's a hard one. Because the movie is so unmemorable. Matthew Modine's the only actor in it. Well, I mean, you also had Bill Sage from um, the other, the cannibal movie we watched. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I'm dead. You're dead, but you made it all the way to the end. You did a very valiant, noble effort. Well, it's a good thing I left this recording for you from the year 1999. <laughs> oh, no. That has your categories on it. Oh, no. Uh, they're all new, these categories. <gasps> they could all kind of be the same. Oh? You'll see what I mean. Uh, I, thematically tied to our double feature today. Uh, first category is, gee, our old LaSalle ran great. What? What were any of those words? <laughs> Gee, our old LaSalle ran great. LaSalle? Oh, a car? It's about family-based horror movies. All in the Family. The theme song from All in the Family. Oh, is that a line? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you don't know this answer, do you? I don't. It's not, like it's, not like it's random and... Uh... <laughs> Anyway, I just literally when you said it, I just heard ar ba la ba la la la. Like none of the words made any sense to <laughs> like me. Charlie Brown teacher. Yeah. Oh, brother. Well, oh, this category is all about movies with families of killers. Like oh. killer families. I give you a quote from the movie, you tell me the name of the movie. Oh, is it a quote from the families themselves? <clears throat> uh, not necessarily. Okay, but they're all c killer clans. 
Killer clans. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Category two, mosquitoes and killers. This is all about slasher movies that take place in the backwoods. I ask you some stuff, you give me some answers. Hell yeah. And category three, didn't you look at his face? (laughs) This category, in this category, I will name the killer of a horror movie who has facial differences, and that's why he's so mad. Oh. You tell me the name of the movie. Oh. So, we have G, our old LaSalle ran great, about killer families, killer clans, mosquitoes and killers, about backwoods slasher movies, and didn't you look at his face? Skin <laughs> disease. That's right. These are great. Thanks. Do so you see how they could all, like, they're kind yeah, of but, interchangeable in a way. Yeah, but they're very different at the same time. I like this. I like, I, you know, I love, I, I seem, I get so upset. I get so upset at the killer family movies. Like, they, they really stick with me. Cause, but I'm just like, but these family values are all wrong. So I just get so mad when I watch them. But that's, those are the ones that stick with me. So let's, I'm going to do Killer families, please. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I give you a quote. You tell me the movie. Oh, no, I need to know the quote. Here we go. Number okay. one. Meets meat and a man's gotta eat. <laughs> oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. The answer we were looking for is Motel Hell. Oh! That's Motel Hell. I'm dead. You're dead. Well. <laughs> I knew it wasn't Texas Chainsaw Massacre either, but I couldn't think of a single movie. Were they- I almost did the Farmer Vincent's Fritters, but I thought that'd be too easy. Oh, well, there we go. I literally, all I could think was, and I know that's not even a line in the movie. God damn it. Well, I'm glad that uh, it took me 20 minutes to explain them. <laughs> two seconds for me to die. <laughs> well. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Okay. Well, we're dead together. We are! So. We learned a lot today. Mais, <gasps> majayo. Uh, we'll be back next week, I think. Uh, in the meantime, old episodes, necronomologues, etc. Gaylordsofdarkness.com. You can find our social media stuff there. Mm, I guess that's it, yeah. I think I think that's it. I think I think I'm gonna go watch this movie a second time. Oh, okay. I felt the urge yesterday, but I didn't do it. But I think I might actually do it. Wow. Oh no. Well. Okay. Young KCO. Wow. For a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured. 
yet informative. I know, right? Uh, is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah! Oh, oh my god! god. Oh, oh my god! god. Tune in next time for more Gators of Darkness! Yeah! <laughs>